You know, having sensitive skin makes finding skincare products so difficult. It is. But today's sponsor, OneSkin, makes it easy. Their topical supplements are formulated with soothing ingredients and natural antioxidants. And they're gentle enough to use every day, even if you have sensitive skin. And it was founded by an all-female team of scientists. OneSkin's products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without all the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products. In a third-party 12-week clinical study performed by third-party research organization OS01 Face was clinically proven to strengthen the skin barrier, improve skin health markers, and diminish visible signs of aging. Like wrinkles were diminished in 87% of users. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company by focusing on the cellular aspects of aging one skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer get started today with 15 percent off using code tco at oneskin.co that's 15 percent off oneskin.co with code tco after your purchase they'll ask you where you heard about them please support the show and tell them we sent you i just thought at the time i would do these wedges and bike fitters would use them and then people would say, oh, I have foot pain or knee pain. Will that help? And I'm like, well, yeah. And then I looked at him like, ooh, you look really bad. <laughs> like, you need way, you need way more than a wedge. And that's when I realized bike fitting in general was pretty inadequate. It really wasn't serving. And so I buried myself in that garage and developed an entire system called the Bicycle Fitting System, which was nominated by Bicycling Magazine as one of the most innovative products in the bicycle industry. And wow. I've taught bike fitting and I've sold stuff all around the world. It's more than just your output, more than a bike. When you hear your shout out, you know it's all right. Put on your magic pants and let's go. We're cruising into the power zone. Clip in, set yourself free. Come on and take a ride with me. You know what you need to know and what's it all about. Everything you need, it's on the clip out. Welcome to the Clip Out Podcast, episode 287. This is Crystal O'Keefe. And this is Tom O'Keefe. Sorry, I had to stop and pet the dog. I see that. She came up and demanded yes. attention. She like, she don't give a sh- <laughs> that we're recording an episode well, of the Clip Out. she is an official puppy podcaster. She's like, so... it is time for me to be petted. <laughs> and here I am. Adore me. That's how she rolls. That is how she rolls. Yeah. It's very effective. Yeah. So, um... I don't know. This is where we normally chit chat, but I don't know what we're going to chit chat about. Well, we're gonna we're gonna take a little trip this weekend. Yeah, Just that's took true. a trip this past weekend. Yeah, life is insane. I can't yeah. keep up. It's I've very been a busy. real bitch all week. <laughs> <laughs> it's been very busy. Last week we I don't even oh we went to Branson yes. for Thanksgiving and we had a blast. We did. We had a lot of fun. And then now we're going to Philadelphia because we're going to the MST three K rap party for season 13 so which will also be very fun totally so we'll probably post some pictures for people to see of us hanging out with the cast of mr science theater 3000 that'll be fun it will yeah it will and i bought us tickets to go to tinseltown i can't wait i can't wait to see what this is whatever that is you talked it up so so yeah now i have high expectations it was the coolest thing in philadelphia that was within a reasonably priced uber ride from our hotel (laughs) so (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we don't want to be gallivanting all around. No. So anyway, 
that's what the tales people have to look forward to. So uh, what, pray tell, do you have in store for people this week? Well, um, let's see. There's, I mean, I know this is going to shock you, but there's a lot of Peloton stuff going on. Wow. I know. In all seriousness, there's some real estate that we need to talk about. Mm -hmm. And there's some purchases that are confusing. Yeah. And then we got to talk about the insider trading deal. Yeah. I don't know how to not discuss that. We're also going to talk about the worst (laughs) review I've ever seen. In my opinion, um, and uh, Dr. Jen visits us. I don't know. I so the worst review I've ever seen mm-hmm. was in a bathroom stall. Oh, you told me this. It was maybe the most offensive thing I've ever read in a bathroom stall. Okay, and it said, and so just brace yourself because this is bathroom and stall it's Tom. stuff. And, and it's so, Tom. and and it said, Toy Story Two was just okay. Mm. So mm. I, if you have little ones in the car, I apologize that they heard that, but. But I was like, what? Who could think such a thing? I mean, seriously, who could? That that's, is one of the best movies that's ever an made. Outrage. <laughs> there is no such thing as a wrong opinion, but in your case, sir, we will make an exception. That is I think that's fair yeah. and accurate. We also have a visit from Dr. Jen and we talk about burnout. Uh, we have a listener who is approaching their marathon and freaking the F out. <laughs> so uh, this is for you. And also we have another listener who's just dealing with burnout. And this is for you also. And there's a whole bunch of stuff going on with the instructors. So we're going to break all that down just like we do every week. And then we also we do not have a visit from Angelo this week between his illness and my illness. We could not make our schedules match. Gotcha. Feel like an air traffic controller. Um, <laughs> we also have a big tonal story we got to chat about, past guest updates that I'm super excited yeah, about. This is a fun one. And all kinds of in case you missed it type of things. Awesome. Well, before we get to all that shameless plugs, don't forget we're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeart, TuneIn, wherever you find a podcast, you can find us. If you're there, while you're there, rather, be sure and follow us so you never miss an episode and maybe leave us a review. That's always helpful. Yes, you, please. You can also find us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash the clip out where for five bucks a month, you get uh, all the episodes ad free for a little bit more. You get bonus episodes. You also can find us on YouTube at YouTube.com slash the clip out where you can watch all of these episodes. You can sign up for our newsletter so you get all these links. And I did not send it out last week because we were. We were in Branson and it just got away from me. But um, Tom, I know you were on such a roll. I was on such a roll. So I lost my you lost your blue. Dot I streak. lost my clip out blue. <laughs> I guess it's orange. You lost your orange. Streak. I lost my orange check mark or whatever. <laughs> so uh, but uh, it will return this week. I promise you can also find us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash the clip out. So while you're there, like the page, join the group, do all the things. There you go. So uh, let's, let's dig in, shall we? We shall. Peloton in the news. It's not often our top story comes from Arkansas online. Facts. But here we are. Here we are indeed. So is this new information? It is. Okay, so here's the deal. I'm not even confident this is the right Peloton. Okay, because it just mentions it so... Like cash. Cash. Yeah. Very cash. Yeah, if you scroll down... I will um, get to scrolling for the YouTubers. Okay, And I want to read it specifically because it talks all about like what this property is, yada, yada. Yeah, it's an it's so it's about a hybrid workspace that's getting built in Bentonville, 
Arkansas, which is home of Walmart, which if is home, you don't of, know. home of Walmart. And it's also interesting, just the building itself. You see it. It's got ramps. It's like a what, like a four or five story building. Yeah. And they have ramps that go all the way to the top so people can ride their bikes to whatever floor they work on. Yeah. Every day, which is pretty cool. Yeah. But buried in the middle of this article, just real random, just like, oh, by the by. Yeah, it says the Ledger Building, which is the one we're talking about, isn't the only big project downtown. So the building we just talked about isn't right. even the one where this is, this whole story is about. Yeah, the hundred and seventy-five thousand square foot five-story Peloton office. What? Building is situated at 215 Northwest A Street and still under construction, as is the new Walmart home office campus adjacent to the downtown as well. What now? They just just. Yeah. Like BT dubs Peloton setting up camp in Bentonville, Arkansas. Like, is there another way to read that? I mean, there are other Pelotons. Like, there's a Peloton Transportation. Right. There's a Peloton Energy. There are other Peloton companies. I don't know what this is. I really don't. But you can bet I'll be keeping an eye out. Yeah. I'm going to find it. Because the only you only moved to Bentonville, Arkansas for two reasons. One, you want to do work with Walmart. Two, you lost a bet. And so... I'm going to Google. I'm going to Google... Peloton 215 Northwest A Northwest A Bentonville Oh no not not ventricle <laughs> But it does But Peloton does have your heart It, it clearly <laughs> Alright let's see what we get It's called a Peloton building It's called the Peloton building So that's interesting all right, let me back up. There's another little Bentonville Planning Commission approves development. It's called the Peloton Parking Garage Project. It's an office building. I don't think this is necessarily about Peloton. This is so weird. It's called Project Peloton. What are they doing down there in Bentonville? Yeah. What is going on? Does anyone here listening live in Bentonville? We need you to talk to your city planning commission stat. And get back with us. Yes. Figure out what all this is about. We need to know what is going on. Because that seems, I will also say that seems like a lot of space, 175,000 square feet. Well, and if it's just an office building, like it could be like it's, you know, going to be plotted out for different things, yeah. especially if it's not actually for Peloton. Well, for sure. If it's not for Peloton, if it's for Peloton, that seems like a lot of space dedicated to them. But, yeah. But I will also say lots of vendors move to Bentonville so they can be closer to Walmart corporate. Like it's that's that's a big deal for it a is, lot of vendors. It is. It's just hard for me to believe that they would do that and um, leave New York City. Well, I don't know that would necessarily be leaving New York City, but, but then, like setting up some sort of satellite. But they've closed so many other. I don't yeah, know. it's I don't weird. Know. It's weird. It's weird. We don't know what this means. It could mean nothing. It could mean absolutely. It could just mean that somebody in the planning commission really likes Peloton. Yeah, it just seems like you would either have a different name or the article would clarify not the one that you see on TV every 10 minutes. You would think, you know, you would maybe in Bentonville, Arkansas. They're so well known that they don't need to. I don't know. I don't know. The Financial Times has an. An interesting article about John Foley's investment strategy. And I guess we could say we use the word strategy loosely. (laughs) But no, that's not fair. It is a strategy. It's a a very common strategy. It's also one that's hard not to make a squicky face at. But it's called the buy, borrow, die tax strategy and how that did not 
work out well for Mr. Foley. Yeah. Do you know like much about the mechanics of the strategy? So I know a little bit. I'm not exactly a financial planning expert. They know. Don't worry. We'll have several posts on all the things. Actually, you won't because if you get it wrong, everybody will ignore it. If I get it wrong, (laughs) we get we get post upon post of all the things I got wrong. So the way I understand (laughs) the buy, borrow, die strategy is I don't even like the name of it. It's for people that have a lot of money. Okay. Right. And if you have a lot of investments and those invest, if you have a million dollars in stock that becomes $10 million in stock and you want to take out $5 million in stock, you have to, you're already getting bored. You have to pay capital gains tax, right? Okay. Yep, so yep. on the, because you had an investment that increased. So you don't have to pay capital gains tax until you pull out money. Right. Right. So what rich people do is they borrow money from themselves. Okay. Because then they don't have to pay it back because you can't sue yourself. How do you borrow it from yourself, though? Because it's like an investment. I don't know. Like, this is what rich people do. They get, uh, they get, they have a financial advisor and they borrow money from themselves, they right? They start playing shell games. And then, so then what happens, but you don't really got to pay it back because it's your own money. Okay. Right, right, but you right. don't have to pay capital gains tax because you borrowed the money. You wink, wink. Yeah, you didn't cash out, yeah. right? So then you just never pay it back and you die, and then you bequeath those assets to your kids or but whoever. But they only get the assets, not the debt. And now the capital gains thing resets. So in the meantime, that one million that became ten million might have become twenty million. Mm. They don't have to pay capital gains. On the 19 million. Now, when it goes to them, it resets at what the market value is at the time of your death. So now they get to get 20 million with no capital gains, right? And then it starts all over. Well, that is pretty squicky. Yeah. I mean, it's perfectly legal. I know. But it's still can make me make a squeaky face. Yeah, no. Yeah, totally. And so the problem with this strategy, from what I understand, is that. If you borrow too large a percentage of your investment and your stock drops, i.e. John Foley in the pandemic surge in pricing, right, then you don't have enough to cover margin calls and then that becomes a problem. And so if so, if it if it drops too precipitously, you're going to be six kinds of screwed. Okay. So that's that's the danger of this strategy. So And and I know that you said this at the beginning, but I just want to be very clear. This is not a John Foley thing. This is yeah, what he did rich not people make this do. up or invent this. <laughs> this is you know, and this is part of I'm assuming why he had to to sell the Hamptons house weeks after purchasing it. I mean, the article certainly makes that. Yeah, that it's that. Yeah, that it's like the stock's really high. He takes out these loans. The stock starts to drop. He can't cover. And then now it's it's a mad scramble. So (sighs) but it's an interesting article just for some insight as to like not just him, but just how that whole gilded class Deals with money. I can't imagine ever being rich enough to have these conversations about ourselves, only other people. So we will never have to worry about this. I'm borrowing $35 from my investment. (laughs) Because we're also borrowing from our Peloton (laughs) portfolio. (laughs) Well, 
I hope it all works itself out. Yes. So. Yikes. Moving along. <laughs> More good news. Bloomberg Law is reporting that Peloton uh, execs are facing insider trading claims over the treadmill. I love how in the last article, it's like. John Foley's so dumb, he doesn't know how to invest money. And in the next article, it's like, John Foley's an evil genius, and he stole millions of dollars. Yeah. It's like... Pick one, Internet. Yeah, pick one. Well... Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. So this one is just saying that that, uh, this lawsuit makes the claim that the C-suite or certain members of the C-suite... Knew that I mean, the, it says John Foley right yeah, there. Knew that the tread death news was coming and they sold off a bunch of stock before the story broke. I just don't know that I buy that. I mean, it looks like on paper, that's the timing. But, I understand. But I seem to remember at the time he sold the stock, the the articles from from things like Yahoo Finance and right. whatnot, we're saying that like he was basically contractually forbidden from being able to sell this top stock until a certain time, and it hit those numbers. And it hit that point, and he sold some stock. And so, like they were, I mean, like because they made it sound like it was like an automated thing. Yeah, at the that time. they were like, this is perfectly normal and reasonable. Don't read anything into this. It's to- totally not a big deal. And now this lawsuit is trying to make it go back and be a big deal. This article also, I will say, isn't the best written because it says the first block of insider sales worth more than $100 million allegedly came about a week before a three-year-old boy suffered a significant brain injury when he was trapped under a tread plus. So if they sold it before the injury... How is how that, that? How is it insider trading? Like, do so, they mean before the news I, broke? They, what they mean, <laughs> Bloomberg Law, is before the news broke. Because if you actually click through and read the court filings, it that makes it clear that like that they did that in between the incident and the information becoming public. I think the problem they're going to have getting traction on this, personally, again, not a lawyer nor a financial expert, is. Within, I perused the uh, the the legal document, and it goes on and on about how they get this price surge during the pandemic, and I'm like, yeah, like the price surge wasn't related to the success of the Tread Plus. No, it was related to the pandemic and the success of the bike, and then the price collapse is not related to the Tread Plus by and large. I mean, they they took a hit when that they story did. broke, but that's not what caused it to drop 95%. Like what causes it to drop 95% was the pandemic ending and it wasn't the hot pretty sexy stock anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like they're going to have a hard time proving this out, proving that this is insider trading when I don't think you can peg the drop in the stock to the tread plus incidents. Well, I agree with you 100% because I definitely remember covering all of this at the time. I remember having the conversation and it's like pers- as a person, I just don't think he would do that. But I understand that people are like, whatever, that doesn't count. But um, and you know what? Having hundreds of millions of dollars on the line, you that can change a guy. Right. So it absolutely can. That is is a very, very fair point. But it's like they're taking a whole lot of things with the benefit of hindsight being 2020 to like put all these things in place and make it look like, as you said, he's an evil genius. Yeah. And I 
I just don't think that was occurring. Because if he was that evil of a genius, he would have gotten away with a lot more money when he left Peloton. <laughs> you so. would think. You, it, you would think if he was that much of an evil genius, he wouldn't have sold the Hamptons house 10 days after he bought it. Right. right? Like it's So it's like... and. And that's when you juxtapose these stories. It's like you're seeing two very different narratives about about who he is or what's going on that are diametrically opposed. And I honestly don't think either one of them is. I don't either. It's all that accurate, but I think it's all about clicks, and I think yeah. that it's it's so funny because there's so many people wanting to hate on Peloton right now and say how unrelevant they are and how they're just so awful, yada yada yada. And then at the same time, all they do is print stories about them because they know that it gets traction for sure. Is craziness? Yeah, craziness. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Just like I said, just based on the their own argument, it seems like it's going to be difficult. For it to hold water just because like again They by their own Admission stock shoots up because of The pandemic so the stock collapses because Of the pandemic well that doesn't really have much To do with the tread plus so We shall see we shall Also Bloomberg law write better Articles <laughs> yeah if It's going to be law writing law articles You should know words are important Yes <laughs> The verge has a review of the Peloton Row, mm. which I will summarize as follows. But I don't like the price. Meh. There's a lot of people saying yeah. that. I saw a lot of very, very yucky comments. <laughs> um, <laughs> I am just so, so, so exhausted by all the flipping whining. Like, I am not even going to pretend otherwise. I just, I can't. But here's what I will say. I... I have always paid the full price for every item that has occurred. I, I bought for Peloton. I bought the original bike at full price. Mm -hmm. I bought the bike plus at full price. I bought the tread plus at full price. I never sent it back and got my $4,000 back like everybody else did. It's still o over there. That's right. It's about 40 feet away from me. And I paid full price for the rower. The only thing I've ever gotten for free from Peloton was a guide, which I very much appreciate. Yes. By the way. It's very nice of you. Um, Thank you. Yes. Uh, but... People made this exact same argument about the bike when it came out. I remember reading dozens of articles about how it was overpriced and it was just going to be a coat rack, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And all these people who are supposedly Peloton lovers and supporters saying, yeah, but it's a thousand dollars too high based on what? Because you have a cheaper rower. Well, you can go get a cheaper bike. Yeah. I don't understand your point. This is like the bane of my existence because my day job is you deal with this is all concert long. promotion. I have never put a show on sale where someone didn't tell me the prices were too high. Like <laughs> I like and you don't mean on sale as any reduced price. No, you mean I mean, like putting put, it up for sale, yeah, putting it up for sale. Sorry, jargon. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, I mean, we have a show coming right now. John Anderson from Yes. And people, <laughs> These prices are ridiculous. They start at thirty five dollars. Yeah. Like. And, and well, if you come to the family arena box office, <laughs> there are no additional fees. You can get a $35 ticket for $35. Like, and this I, happens with your parking. Yeah. This like, happens with your beer. We went and saw a movie the other night. It was $20 a ticket to see a movie. Mm -hmm. And here you get to see a live human being on stage with, with a band, a rock legend, and it's $35 in your beer. <laughs> Uh -huh. Jesus Christ. And the thing with all all the like the really big concerts like but here's the thing. 
people buy the tickets. Yep. So why should they sell it for less just to make you happy? Exactly. Especially when it's not going to make you happy. Right. You can't make you can't yeah. like and the other aspect of it is like specific to the row. People are saying, well, if it was cheaper, then I would buy it. But the thing is, they don't need you to. Yeah. Like You're going to do it eventually. And they're selling more than they thought they would they're not hurting on the sales of this rower like as much as you would like to believe otherwise as much as you would like to tell everybody how you know everything it's that's not accurate that's not not what's occurring and it doesn't make sense for them to like Mm -mm. going back to the concert industry year over year ticket sales are down 30 percent ticket grosses Mm -hmm. are up like 70 percent well so (laughs) on the flip side i do understand why people are a little upset that like the original bike that they bought is now cheap like you can buy it so much cheaper now i do understand that argument and so a lot of people are saying this rower is going to go down dramatically too i don't know whether i don't know maybe it will like you know i mean that that's your prerogative and sometimes that works for you and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes, you know, you can wait and a show will go on sale and sometimes you it'll be Taylor Swift and it's sold out. And you right. didn't get to go. So, right. I mean, and, like that's, that. and that's just part of it. Yeah. But people whine about that, too. So yeah. many people whined about the Taylor Swift thing. I didn't get it. And the tickets are too high. And I want more. <laughs> it's like, well, she yeah. sold literally every single concert in less than 24 hours. Like, yeah. She's OK. I mean, she's doing OK without it, your sale. Yeah. At the, at the end of the day, like when you have more demand than supply that's what it's going to look like it is there's just nothing you can do about that you can't make that woman do more concerts and it is what it is and it's just yeah and it's all about what's more important to you like there's a lot of people that are complaining about this because it's not that important to them and that's fine yeah like don't get it then that's okay but also they those same people seem to think therefore peloton should put all of their rowing offers out on demand so that they can use their existing rower or buy a cheap one right. and do that. And I'm not saying that won't occur. I think at some point they will do that. Right. But I fully support them not doing that in the time being because for people who are early adopters and for people who are supporting the company by buying it first, there should be a benefit yeah. to spending that money and buying it first. And so I'm not upset about people that don't want to get it but then don't be upset about people that got it and get to have the content and you don't and if you don't have money you don't have the money like eventually they are going to put that out there on demand like or on the app where you can reach it right i think i think that will occur and so you got to remember going back to the beginning when we first got our bikes there was no app if you wanted to ride the bike you had to purchase the bike this is no different and i think people are rewriting history because there's so many people that have come into the peloton ecosystem that have come in a year ago or two years ago where they had access to everything right for free. and it's all they've ever known right yeah. or not for free but like for one low right. price and it does not make sense for them to put a new item out of the market and charge the same fees that they're charging for everything else it doesn't make sense i believe they will at some point but keep in mind they have already said we are going to raise the we are going to have prices for gated content yeah people keep asking what gated content means it means exactly what it sounds like that there's going to be some stuff that's behind a wall that you can't get to unless you pay a higher price yeah and i don't think that that's going to exist for the all access members i think that's going to be for people 
who are specifically getting the app and they're going to have like different tiers on that app where if you're like a row only person, it's X, a guide only person, it's Y. I don't know what those tiers will look like because they haven't said yet, but that is coming. Yeah. And so maybe there will be a row only option that you can get. Who knows? Yeah. And look, companies are good at figuring out what consumers value mm-hmm. and then monetizing it. Yes. Like that's their job. And it's like there are things and whenever there's a shift like this, people get mad about it and then it becomes a new normal and you can't remember a time when it wasn't wasn't like that. For instance, there's an episode of the Carol Burnett show. You can, I knew we were going into TV land. You can probably find the sketch I'm going to reference on YouTube. And it's all about uh, it's Tim Conway and he's flying coach. Right. Okay. okay. And and the whole joke is how bad the services are in coach compared to first class. Right. <laughs> okay. And it's really funny. And like his window opens and it's like it's a it's a mess. And the, I can picture his little face. Yeah. The guy in Harvey <laughs> Corman's in first class or in the row in front of him and he can recline like flat into Tim Conway's lap. Right. Like. But the thing is, if you if you look at that sketch in a historical context, The reason it was made, the reason it was funny is because the idea of coach versus first class was a new concept, Uh, right? And like now... Of, you're like, of course, first class costs more. Like they get does, their little curtain, right? Like they get does, their little like it, drinks and hot towels. You can't imagine it having ever been another way. Mm-hmm. It's just the way the world works. Yeah. So that is that is a very good point. It's good to keep that perspective on yeah. things. And you know, another way the world works in terms of monetization is commercials. Really? Yeah. So coming up after this, Doctor Jen is going to talk to us about how to deal with burnout. When you're so close to reaching your goal, if you're looking to avoid carbs, it's always a challenge trying to find bread that fits in with your keto lifestyle. Right, because you want to make sure that it tastes good and you want to make sure it has good ingredients. So I think Hero Bread does both. Especially when you're in the store, you are overwhelmed with bread choices. Yes. And I've had other breads before that claim to have low net carbs and you are certainly sacrificing taste texture, size. Yes. None of that with Hero Bread. No, because sometimes on the ones that have the low net carbs, they have like no substance to it. It's like eating air. It is. And Hero Bread actually really tasted good and it felt like a solid piece of bread. Like I did not feel like I was giving up something. I was surprised at how big each slice of bread was. Here's the real test of a piece of bread. (laughs) I didn't make a sandwich with these. I just had toast. Which you love because you have toast almost every day. I do. It was the (laughs) best textured bread of this sort that I've ever had. And if you're doing the math, it's zero to one grams of net carbs, zero gram sugar and high in fiber. So don't give up being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use code TCO at checkout. That's TCO at H-E-R-O dot C-O. Man, there is nothing worse than when you buy a pair of sunglasses and then you lose or break them. I would agree. So what do we do about that? Well, that's where Gooder comes in. Their sunglasses are $25 each. So nobody likes to throw away $25, but it's a lot better than throwing away 100 or more dollars on a pair of broken sunglasses, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I have to say that's not my favorite part about Gooder. My favorite part about Gooder is that when I run, they don't slip, they don't bounce, and they're 100% polarized. Um, and they also come 
in like a million different colors and styles. For your $25, you're not sacrificing comfort, safety, or style. If you want to support the show and pick up a pair, Gooder is giving the Clipout listeners free shipping on their first order. Just go to gooder.com slash TCO. That's G-O-O-D-R dot com and use code TCO to get free shipping. Gooder offers a 30-day money-back guarantee and 100% satisfaction. Find your pair at gooder.com slash TCO and use code TCO to get free shipping. Getting this psychological edge with Dr. Jen. Joining us once again via the magic of ZoomTube is Dr. Jen Mann, licensed marriage, family, and child therapist and sports psychology consultant. She was a five-year national team member in rhythmic gymnastics and sports psychology for USA Gymnastics. It's Dr. Jen. Hello. Hi. Hello. All right. Here's the question of the day. We have two people suffering from burnout. Mike Barr is suffering. Uh, He hasn't been on the bike or doing any exercise for three months, and it becomes harder to motivate himself every day. And then we have Jackie Foddy. She says she's celebrating also. She got through two-thirds of the Peloton Marathon program and hit a wall. She's struggling to just work out, and her marathon is only 12 days away, feeling so much sadness and disappointment appointment in herself for not finishing the training her longest run was only 16 miles she keeps telling herself that her mind i know i know i know that's why she needs you she keeps telling herself that her mind will have to work harder than her body on game day looking forward to being done so she can just get back to working out for the sake of a daily goal okay first of all she needs to give herself credit for getting two-thirds of the way through that program i have looked at that program that is a tough program with an enormous time commitment, like is- massive time commitment. And I, and I think that, first of all, before we do any program, I think we have to realistically evaluate, is this the right program for my lifestyle? It's one thing to be like, do I want to run a marathon? Um, okay, yes, you do. <laughs> but the other thing is, is this the right time in my life to do it? Is it, Can I commit to see this all the way through in terms of how much I have to block out from my life. I did a marathon in 1999. I was single. I had no children. I could train all day and all night when I wasn't working. I had a a girlfriend who trained with me in the morning. We did a program where we did our long run. I had a year to do it like Easy peasy in my 20s. Could I do that now? Not a chance. <laughs> so I, I think, and, and and look, Crystal, you and I, are we have something planned where we are going to be doing a very, very long race. And in my preparation for it, I'm going, I know that I can't commit to the kind of long runs I did for the LA Marathon in 99. So I'm trying to figure out, okay, what do I need to do to avoid injury and be realistic with my life and my schedule and to accomplish that? And I think that's where she came short. She did come short in terms of getting up to 16 miles. That's a huge accomplishment. And she should be patting herself on the fucking back for that. Like, I kind of want to kick her ass and be like, (laughs) like, 
you ran 16 miles, like give yourself some fucking credit, girl. Like, yeah, that is amazing. And especially if she ran it the whole time, she'll be fine on marathon day. I mean, it may not be like a finish time that's like in the world records, but it's fine. You'll finish. Exactly. Exactly. And look, you know, and Crystal, you and I have talked about this. There's a lot of research that says that running for more than an hour at a time is actually not good for you. And there was the class that Ashton Kutcher did with that doctor where mm-hmm. he specifically talked about kind of the rates of heart attacks with people who were training over an hour at a time. And you actually don't want to do that. Yep. So it may be a great thing. You may have just prevented a heart attack. Who knows? Like, <laughs> I think that you just got to give yourself credit and say, okay, I'm going to spend the next 12 days psyching myself up for this run I'm going to do. And I am not a big person. Like, I don't believe in focusing on the time. I did the LA Marathon in five hours and 20 minutes and was thrilled with it. I was like, I don't care if I crawl it. I don't care if I walk it. I don't care. I just want to finish it. And I think that a marathon in and of itself is a huge accomplishment and that she needs to give herself credit for for what she's doing and just get her head in the right space, start to spend a lot of time, visualize yourself doing the marathon. I really recommend Ross Rayburn's long run meditation. I would start doing that like every night because one of the things that he talks about in that meditation that I love is he talks about there's going to be a point in your run where it gets really hard. Here's how you need to psych yourself up for it. Here's how you need to prepare yourself. You can do this. And I think that's an important part of preparing for a marathon. I know for me, mile 20 at the LA marathon, I hit the wall and it was a big hill. And I was like, I can't believe I'm doing this. What have I done to myself? And it was almost like all of the sounds were louder. All of the colors were brighter. Like it was so intense and so overwhelming, but I got through it. And I think that she's got to prepare herself mentally and stop being so hard on herself. And also to look at where else are you hard on yourself? Where else is this hurting you? Where else in your life are you missing your cool accomplishments because you're so hard on yourself? Moving on to the burnout situation for this guy who has, what what is his name again? Mike, Mike Mike, Bear. Mike has not exercised for three months. So this tells me a few things about Mike. The program that Mike was doing was too much, too soon, too intense. Secondly, he was probably not taking breaks in his workouts in, in the bigger picture. Like I tend to look at my workouts over the course of one year. I tend to revamp my program once every three to six months. I do a consultation with someone who's more knowledgeable than I am. And I also talk about realistically what's going on in my life. How much time can I commit? What are my goals? What do I need to do to keep me motivated? And I think that he failed himself psychologically that he didn't change things up enough and didn't take enough breaks. You know, that I will like I tend to have like a pretty firm like this is what I do all week. But then I try to now take anywhere from three to seven days off four times a year. I try to shake things up. 
when I find myself getting burnt out, I try to switch things up, try new instructors, try new classes, try new modalities. You know, like lately I've been, when I don't feel like running, when my running partner is not available, I will <laughs> sometimes now try an outdoor run instead of an indoor run or, you know, try breaking up instead of doing one solid run, kind of break it up into fun classes that I've been wanting to try, but haven't gotten around to. So I think that Mike needs to kind of slowly bring himself back into the fold. I think he needs to start really small. I think he needs to not go, okay, now I'm going to train six, seven days a week. I think he needs to start twice a week, start 10 minutes and commit to not doing more than that. And then see how that feels after a week. Then start layering. Like one of the great things about Peloton is you can layer. You can do a five-minute workout. You can do a 10-minute, 15, 20, so on and so forth. People tend to go, okay, I was training, you know, 45 minutes of cardio before I got burnt out. So now I need to start back there. Don't do that. You will injure yourself. You will burn yourself out. It will be a horrible experience. Look for classes that inspire you, that excite you, only the goodies that you've taken before that you're like, oh yeah, you know, like for me, Robin's Greatest Showman Ride, it's like, if if I'm not feeling motivated, I can always count on that one to really like get me going. Like yes. keep a list of kind of your fail safe rides that you just really love, your favorite classes. But I really think that Mike needs to start slow and build back up, but not do too much. Definitely agree. Burnout That's sounds like COVID. advice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It kind of is similar. It's like a really? psychological COVID. Yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for all of that. Until next time, where can people find you? You find me on all social media at Dr. Jen Mann, to ends on Jen, to ends on man, and also in style magazine. I have a weekly column called Hump Day with Dr. Jen that comes out on Wednesdays. Wonderful. Thank you. Instructors in the news. Logan Aldridge is gonna be a tread instructor. Yay! I think oh that's God. great. I love him so much. I am so, so delighted by this news. I'm so excited. He is so fun to take classes with. Yeah. And I've been so in the running kind of mindset lately that like this makes my day. Yeah. So much. I think this is going to make him a big deal. I mean, he's already a big deal. I don't mean to like. like he is a big deal, but, but I know what you mean. But like, so the problem <laughs> making air quotes for people listening uh, <laughs> Is that like he's been doing all the adaptive stuff, which is great. But if you don't have a need for adaptive stuff, it's a very stuff, niche group. Right, right. Like he, there's no reason to go take a Logan Aldridge class necessarily. And so, so I think having non-adaptive classes for him to teach, in addition to, like, I don't think it should right, be right, instead right. of, but like it broadens his base, and I think it will enable him to develop. An even larger fan base. So I completely agree. And I think there's a lot of people like myself, like I typically do my strength on the tonal. I hardly ever do strength with Peloton, not because they're not amazing. They're all amazing instructors. It's just I have my own thing that right. I'm doing. And so because of that, I haven't really gotten to experience Logan as an instructor. And I am not the only person that falls into that category. There are tons of people that we know that are listeners or that don't do strength at all that have never gotten a chance to. So I agree with you, Tom. This is going to shoot him sky high because he is just so freaking likable. Yeah. So if you want to 
If you want to get to know Logan on any real level, do it now before he blows up. You have about seven days. (laughs) (laughs) The last episode of this round of LOL Cody is almost upon us. It is. And it features SNL's Bowen Yang. Did you were you trying to share your screen? I was trying to share my screen. I mean, I am sharing my screen. (laughs) It's like magic. Yeah. So should I say it like like Don Pardo? Yeah, say it like Don Pardo. Bowen Yang. (laughs) Although I don't think Don Pardo ever said Bowen Yang because he passed away before it's. He did. Yeah, he did. It's Daryl Hammond now. I know. I know that. You don't need to tell me. But uh, tell you, they tell me. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, but so that it'll be interesting to see how that works because. They're both very big personalities. Very. And so like in comedy, you have a straight man and the funny guy. You don't typically have two funny guys. Well, he had that the drag queen on that's like super, that's super big personality, too. And that worked. Yeah. But, but I agree with you. Comedy is a little. Quote, yes, unquote, you know? I agree. Well, I don't I don't know exactly how all that works and I don't claim to. But what I what I do know is that comedians specifically have a hard time turning it off. There is not an off switch. And therefore, I'm, I'm like, I think that your point is different in this case because he is a comedian. Right. And that's like not something that you can moderate in the same way. Yeah, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of them don't. Some do. It's, it's funny. I've noticed the newer generation of comedians seem to be a lot more like that. Like if you listen to a Will Ferrell interview and he doesn't do tons. But when oh, he yeah, does, you have told when me about he does, that. When he's not like he's almost like. A union employee he's like Well if you're not paying me to be funny there's no Need for me to do that I'm just Will Ferrell Yeah like he's done he's just like No I'm just here talking like it's he doesn't Like I prefer that because I like to hear interviews with people and Like get to know the real them yeah sometimes It can be exhausting like I thought I always Thought Robin Williams interviews could be just Exhausting like you know because it He was kind of always yeah, and I loved, like loved yeah. I still love Robin Williams, but yeah. but yes, I would agree with that. He's he's a, he was a lot. I felt like as he got older, though, he got better about that. So, but but anyway, so it'll be interesting to see how how these two uh, play in the sandbox together. It will. I have to say that uh, Bowen Wing and I don't see eye to eye. Yeah, he's not. He your, doesn't. He doesn't make me laugh from a comedy standpoint. Yes, that's what I mean. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't make me laugh like some of the other um, people in SNL do. Although his iceberg Titanic thing was genius. That was the best skit he's done by far. Yeah. Um, now we haven't watched the last few episodes. I don't think so. We might. Yeah, be. TiVo stopped taping SNL, and and we just TiVo. What are you in nineteen DVR, whatever. <laughs> it stopped. Is uh, TiVo still around? Well, but, it might be. We don't use it. Yeah, but our DVR. <laughs> and we never have stopped snagging <laughs> SNL. I don't know what happened. So. I don't either. It stopped recording a lot of things. Yeah. And while we're speaking of Cody, he's taken some heat from BuzzFeed for his hate of Taylor Swift. Yeah, I don't know if they're just trying to make this a thing and it's working or what. Well, I, I mean, no they, they have a lot of posts where they reference him like really. Yeah, he is. I didn't. Not I, a I've fan. hardly ever taken a, a Cody class, but he like goes on and on and on and on, um, according to all these posts about how much he hates her. So, yeah. I mean, they've got a point. I mean, you like who you like. So I don't. But I guess he doesn't need to like their point. 
I'm not saying I even agree with right. it because I've spent zero time thinking about this. But I think the point of the they're they're making is like you don't have to keep saying it. We get it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, he does create a lot of content. So like if you want to just pull out a couple things, it's probably easy to do. But um, and they and it kind of starts by like, oh, but you don't have to trash a successful woman. And like, but. I will say for the most part, his complaint seems to be he just doesn't like her music like it's not it doesn't seem to be directed at her personally. He's not taking the tact a lot of a lot of Taylor Swift haters do about how oh she dates all these people. Yeah. Unlike Mick Jagger, who was a virgin until 63. It was amazing. Like, yeah. Like, it, you know, I'm just like, oh, you're such a hypocrite. Go f- yourself. Yeah. But, I mean, if you don't yeah. like her music, you don't like her music. I mean, I'm baffled by that. Yeah. But I understand it. There's not not everybody. Not everything is for everyone. And that's no, OK. It, it is. It is. But there's a lot of things I don't like. I it's just I don't have a public platform the size of Cody's that yeah. I talk about it all the time. So <laughs> wait, you're not going to be on Dancing with the Stars? No, they didn't ask. Can you believe it? I mean, I have zero dance talent and yet I still expected to be asked. <laughs> and you're also not a star. <laughs> well, duh. Well, to me, you are. <laughs> Aw, thank you. Yeah, I'll be curious to see if anything else comes of this because it's uh, getting getting some traction. Is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, man, the Swifties. Yeah, they came out in force. They'll come at you hard. Like that I feel, is. I feel conflicted. I love Peloton. I love Taylor Swift. And you know, I know we're talking about Taylor Swift later, but right. I feel like it needs to come up now because because here's the thing: there was a big Taylor Swift drop this week on the Peloton platform for right. her Midnight's album, and it was on social media. And then all of a sudden, it's gone. It's not anywhere on social media. Like they are not mentioning it. So they all. posted it and then deleted the post? Uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah. Because I was going to add it to the list. I had totally right. seen it. It's gone. There's nothing to add. And I looked on the Peloton IG. I looked over on the Peloton Facebook. I looked up. Susie Chan had posted about it. Yeah. I couldn't find it there. But the classes t- are still the classes out there. are there. The cla- and they are all put in like a little Taylor Swift collection that also appeared last week. And well, that got updated last week. Because right. It's been there. But so I, I'm not saying that it even is connected or not. I just thought it was really, really weird, especially in connection with seeing this. I was like. Does this mean something? Yeah. Did she like, well, then harumph. Right. But at the same time, like it's one instructor out right. of 190. And he didn't do any of the classes. So right. what would she care? Like, yeah. I, I doubt it's connected. It just was very weird timing. So yeah, it seems unlikely, but it does. But why else would they take down the social? It was just weird. Yeah, it is weird. <laughs> my first thought, because I didn't realize it had gone up and come down. My first thought was, I know when her album came out, like it got released at midnight and like to no real fanfare. It was just kind of like, oh, by the way, here's a new Taylor Swift album. And yeah. so I thought maybe they were trying to replicate that with the class releases of like. Maybe you maybe know. that is what they did. Maybe that's what they were going for. They do like to, you know, have fun with stuff like that. And yeah. maybe I just didn't get it. That is entirely but, possible. The, but to post and then take it back. That's what seems weird. If they had never posted, I'd be more apt to subscribe to that theory. Hmm. I don't know. Emma Lovewell, perhaps you've heard of her. A couple times. Is featured in the latest issue of Martha's Vineyard magazine. 
Yes. Uh, She talks about how she like in the post, she says she loves being from such a small supportive island community like the Vineyard. Uh, And in the article, she says she talks about the importance of high school sports and performing arts, as well as some influential teachers she's had in her life. And they don't seem to have it online. So you would need to actually fly to Martha's Vineyard to get a copy. Mm -hmm. You would. (laughs) I'll get right on that. (laughs) She's just a small town girl from Martha's Vineyard. I know. Right. (laughs) So by the time you hear this episode, Robin will have made a big announcement on CBS Morning News. Mm-hmm. Do we know? Is it Web three? She bought what? Well, she bought Web three. She 3? bought Web three. She owns it now. I don't know. I have it's, no idea what this is about. It's I really Web don't. now because uh, it's going to be eight a.m. Eastern, so seven a.m. our time, and. I have no idea what this is supposed to be about. I'll be really honest. Um, the only thing that occurred to me, and mm-hmm. it wouldn't be a big enough deal, I wouldn't think, to be on CBS Morning, is just every year she does her three for 30, I don't know, you're supposed to do like 30 minutes of workout for 31 days. And she does that every December, and she usually does it like mid-year around June too. It's a challenge. I just cannot fathom that that, that would be a big, a big enough. big enough thing for CBS Morning News. And she posted recently about, you know, her second children's her baby like strong baby book is coming out in like a month she posted about that a couple days ago so i don't think it's that what says announcing the very thing i hinted at in this post and then it shows an arrow which i couldn't find that post gotcha i mean it doesn't mean that i didn't look hard enough right could be but at any rate i didn't see it so so i don't you will already know the answer Mm -hmm. when Mm -hmm. we're talking about this yep so Marcel Dinkins has a new series coming out. Yes, called Taking the Hill. She always says this in her class that you got to take the hill. We always take the hill. So this particular series, she said she's going to be talking to, I don't know, fascinating people over the next couple of weeks and talk about why we run it, why we run the hill, why we do hard things, the challenging things and the scary things. So I am excited to see this because it also looks like it's filmed outdoors. She said that this was a Uh sneak peek. And if you're not watching YouTube, it is her talking outdoors. And then it says, here's a little there's a little snippet and they show the people running from the waist down. So you can't see who is running. Ah. So I don't know. We will see very soon. Okay. What comes out? (laughs) The first episode is going to air December 6th at 2 p.m. Eastern. Alex Toussaint has partnered with Smart Water. Yeah. Did we talk about this already? I don't think so, because this came out like, I think, right like the day before Thanksgiving. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, So he was featured in the middle of Times Square on one of those really big old billboards. Right. And it's Smart Alkaline Water that is Coca-Cola like smart water is owned by Coca-Cola. Right. So what exactly is alkaline water? I don't know. I don't either. It has some kind of pH in it. Ah, pH. Yeah. Yeah. That'll I don't fix know. It, it says nine plus pH. I don't know what that means. I don't know. People are some people were like, oh, alkaline. I, I, I have it no probably gives it like a tinny taste. Maybe is my guess. But I don't know. I like I, I'm always like when they're like, it's got pH, it's got this, it's got that. I'm just like, OK, it's just water, man. I know you're yeah. you're always very skeptical of those I things. I, I've never really not in- with electrolytes. <laughs> yeah. Electrolytes are good. <laughs> Don't I be know. telling people. Electrolytes I learned that from idiocracy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that movie. I love that movie so much. Anyway, congrats to Alex for a yes. cool partnership. 
Kendall Tool is featured in Wondermind talking about her mental health journey. Yeah, I think it's a magazine. Is that yeah, how you took I, it? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I took it as a magazine or an online magazine. I know they also have a podcast, but this, I believe, was founded by Selena Gomez. Oh, I think it's okay. Her thing. Also, this is a good article if you want to get to know Kendall more and you haven't had a chance to hear her take on mental health. This one specifically talks about like showing up on the days when you're not feeling it. But also, I forgot to pull the image of this, but apparently there is some kind of like trading card thing that somebody posted and I don't know. I know nothing. I'm terrible. <laughs> Hang on. Let me pull up my Facebook and I'll just read it to you. Okay. Tops. That's a brand name of court card. Yes. Tops is the original trading card company that they used to only do baseball cards. They had the exclusive license for years. And then, yeah, the new companies come in like like uh, Donruss and Upper Deck. And sorry, I used to work at a baseball card store. It's fine. I just thought you might want me to talk about what I was going to (laughs) say, which is that Tops Allen and Ginter baseball card. They have a collection of baseball players, celebrities and culture and Kendall Tool is featured oh, on one. That. and that was um Ken, that was posted in kendall tools knockouts by aaron lavin so i'm sharing it from there visually okay on our screen which is a terrible image but there you go yeah okay how about i thought that? that was interesting yeah i know tops had issues because like for years they were the only baseball card company and then you had these other companies start coming in and and they all would license baseball players but then it got weird because it was like they could license some companies could do the players images but not the team logos and then and then a few years back i was it upper deck got exclusive mlb and so nobody else could do baseball stuff and that got real weird so then they all had to scramble to come up with other things so okay there you go that was super interesting (laughs) gosh thanks i don't care about baseball cards i'm sorry i barely care about that one (laughs) (laughs) Aditi Shaw has a new intro to meditation. Yeah, it's a new series. That's what this is, like a program that you can do. So it lasts for three weeks and it's six days a week. So it's a total of 26 classes. But it's great because it helps learn, helps you learn about mindfulness and the concepts behind that and also just practice it. So I think that's great. And I think that it's awesome for Aditi to get that recognition. Maddie Majacomo has a new theater in 30 Instagram segment for people to check out this time it spotlights the new play kimberly akimbo now do you know anything about this one no okay me either so other than what i what i heard on maddie's review which was which was great so i'll be interested to see if he does anywhere he doesn't like it me too (laughs) i will i will too uh because he is definitely fond of the theater so i agree it'll be interesting to see tobias hines has an update all about his Manislu. We're going to call it Manislu because that's what you've been calling it. We're okay. Gonna, you're going to lean into that. No now, one's yelled at us yet. So give it time. Yeah. But um, the thing about this one is I think this is just a recap uh, of the first stage. Yes. Oh, um, this is the first stage. Yeah. Because oh. like if you read down, um, if you get to the English part, because he's good about posting both. Yeah. <laughs> so we don't say things like the failed cardiologist. This is the hardest run of his life. Six kilometers uphill. 1100 meters from 3800 meters to 4900 meters lovingly described as one of the highest vertical climbs in the world it's beautiful here but it's also an absolute emotional and mental breakdown and then he says 
our Manislu base camp stage. And that's why, because there were three stages. Oh, and oh so, so he's just a base camp. Which may, No, he did it all. He's done. He's back. But I think this yeah, is just the recap. Part is mm-hmm. ju- is just to, <laughs> right, to just. base camp. <laughs> which, yeah, because I guess if you're going up that high, you you got to get there and, and you got to wait a minute to acclimate. Right. So you exactly. Don't get the bends. Right. Yes. We don't want anybody to get sick while they're up there. How crazy. I'm just completely um, entranced by that whole thing. I really wish that we could just like talk to him directly because I would love to ask him so many questions. Yeah, it looks like a lot. They need (laughs) I mean, seriously, he needs a documentary about that. I I, it needs to happen. Somebody needs a documentary, like do a documentary. Just somebody pull one out of your hat. (laughs) Didn't think that's what I was going to (laughs) say. We have a couple of people celebrating a Peloton anniversary. Yes. Charlotte and Benny are both celebrating their one year Peloton anniversary. Happy anniversary. And coming up after this, we will talk to you about who is suing Tonal for $5 million. Mm-mm-mm. Checking out the competition. So not a good day for Tonal. Yeah. Getting sued by Han Hai Precision. I think I'm saying that properly. Yeah, and it says that um, this is a Taiwanese manufacturer. They're also known as Foxconn. They filed a breach of contract lawsuit uh, Monday in the California Southern District Court against Tonal. And they are seeking $5 million in unpaid invoices for goods and components delivered by the plaintiff. According to the complaint, demand for the home gym plummeted during the waning days of COVID-19. Council has not yet appeared for the defendant. Uh, so that happened on Monday. As far as I know, when I looked it up today, I did not see any updates. So I don't think that uh, Tonal has responded yet. I think they have until early December to respond. And I know that that starts tomorrow. I think it's like the third or something gotcha. like that. I don't know if that's a typical, like it's seven days in this case or it's 30 days. I don't know. Somewhere I read seven but typically lawsuits are 30, so I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know how that works. And the date on this is the 21st, mm-hmm. so... So maybe maybe this is Monday before Thanksgiving. Right. And so if that oh, is... because the, of the holiday, mm-hmm. bought them some extra time, then mm-hmm. that could be. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, what that's all about. Yeah, I just, I just want to say that people... I've been getting a lot of messages about this um, because I think some people are going right to, oh my God, the world's ending... We're all going to die. Um, Tonal's closing its doors. Right. Um, I'm not there uh, personally. And here's my rationale, my logic behind oh. this. Um, we knew that Tonal was struggling because if they weren't going to get acquired by somebody or merge with somebody, which so far has not happened. So right. I got to assume it's not. Right. Then the only other solution or reason that you would do that is if you were hurting for cash that you would fire all those instructors. Like, why would you fire all those instructors if you were not hurting for cash? So I and there was massive layoffs besides just the instructors. Massive. Right. I mean, it, it gutted their poor infrastructure. So. We already knew they were struggling. And I think that the fact that they're still putting out product, and I don't mean just their their programs and their live programming, but also they are putting out new programming. Like there was a new thing that just launched that you can use your phone as a camera that works with the Tonal app that like can help you be able to see in real time. There's an, a camera on Tonal that you can turn on during the time that you want it to be turned on and the, the one on your phone and they work together 
together to tell you with all the sensors already in tonal, there's some form improvements you could make or you're doing everything just right. And you can see how you look side by side on the screen with the instructor. That's a pretty major thing that they they've had that camera built into the systems for a long time. Yeah. So, I mean, I could be wrong. I don't know. But I don't know. I just I don't I kind of feel like they're not as I'm not as confident about them not shutting their doors as I am Peloton because with Peloton, I'm like, they're way too big of IP. Somebody would buy them. Right. I still feel that way about Tonal, but it's not as big. And and you have to recognize that and see that. I think I, I kind of feel like Peloton's safe because of their IP. I feel like Tonal's safe because of their tech. I feel like somebody would want that technology. That's fair. If push came to shove, they get scooped up so someone else could continue producing it because the the tech is so different from anything else that's out there that is true that is true and i know a lot of people are are concerned they're getting ready to buy a tonal they just bought a tonal i'm personally not worried yet yeah i i have not seen anything that makes me like start panicking or feeling like i have a brick on my wall or anything like that yeah uh, and if that changes i will be transparent and tell you like i mean I will. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is concerning. They haven't paid their bills, but sure. but I don't know all the whole story. You know, every time you see one of these complaints, just like we said with Daniel McKenna, right. this is one side of the story. We do not know the other side of the story, so yeah. we really can't jump to conclusions. But there are people out there that are very much jumping to conclusions. Their cardio is jumping to conclusions. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Past guest update. We have a past guest update from Andrea Barber, a.k.a. Kimmy Gibbler from Full and Fuller House. I love Andrea Barber. She's just the best. Uh, she is starring in her first ever Christmas movie. It's called Christmas on Candy Cane Lane, and it will be featured on the, um, what is this thing called? Uh, GAC. It's the new... Uh, Great com- American Family. It's Yes, the new competitor for to Hallmark Channel. Yes, yes. And so Candace Bure had moved over to that network this year, and so in the past she's worked with Hallmark, and this year she's producing movies over on this new network and I know that there are let's just say some differences of opinions and I love that Andrea Barber even says that like, yeah you addresses know, it head on she addressed it head on but oh go ahead sorry. no you go ahead oh I was just gonna kind of pivot and just say, I've always wondered why she wasn't in movies like this like I they, know she's just <laughs> perfect for them they they love people like this for these sorts of movies and I always thought that she'd be great in one so I'm glad she's getting to do one I like It always seemed like an obvious choice that I was surprised that she hadn't done one yet. Well, I love this. She says she loves this movie for a lot of reasons, one of which she can relate so deeply to her character, Ivy Donaldson, navigating divorce, single motherhood, learning to co-parent around the holidays, grieving the loss of a parent. I saw a lot of myself in Ivy and tried to bring all those complicated emotions to my character. So I think she is wonderful. And I am super excited to watch this and support her because I love her. That is all. (laughs) Peloton Artist Collaboration. The latest Peloton Artist Series will feature Mariah Carey. Boy, we thought it was going to happen, and yeah. there it is. Ta-da. Yep, starts December 2nd, and uh, I wonder if they'll play the Christmas song that she does. Do you think? Should she have a Christmas song? Well, I thought she did. <laughs> <laughs> How fun. I like how they started it off and then made it come, made it happen. Yes. Obviously, it was all planned, and that's fun. Congrats to Peloton. That's a good get. Yeah. In case you missed it. 
Peloton has dropped uh, some new class collections for people. Yeah, this is uh, really cool. Uh, the 5K Pace Setter. I am so incredibly excited about this because they are classes that are 5Ks, but they are based on different minutes. So it goes all the way. I think it was like it's seven or eight minutes up to 13 minutes okay. um, and per mile. And then so depending on where, where you feel like you are, mm-hmm. you can take those different classes and also take them over time to see yourself improve. Get better. Yeah. yeah. How cool is that? Yeah. I absolutely love it. And then one of the other ones that I'm super excited about is the mobility collection. This is something that I feel like um, Peloton has not had a lot of focus on. I mean, they definitely have stretching classes. Don't get me wrong. But specifically calling out like here's a place for mobility directly. Right. Uh, So I love that they added this collection and I'm hearing tons of good things on it. Uh, They also have gratitude meditations. And, you know, I'm a fan of the meditations as well as a turkey burn collection where all of the turkey burn classes were stored together. Peloton Apparel has uh, seven days of surprises starting on December 1st. Yes, they uh, they're going to be just dropping surprises. So we will see what they drop. <laughs> <laughs> also, I don't know how much of it is left, but their cyber sale had select apparel styles for nineteen ninety nine or less. I'll tell you what, I got some good deals. It was stuff that like I never would pay full price for. Right. But these were some good sales. I got some stuff that was like twelve ninety nine. I was happy. I got like eight things for a hundred bucks. I'm happy too. Yeah, I bet so. I <laughs> uh, will say one downside was there was not a lot of men's apparel included in the cyber sale. Gotcha. Well sad. And we have a couple of updates on the lane break front. Yes, new levels just dropped. There's a low impact 30 minute that has um, things like music like Charlie Puth. Is it Puth? Puth? I'm sure I'll get yelled at for that. Vance Joy. It's Charlie yeah. featuring Charlie P. We're going to rename him. We'll sp- uh, we'll split the duties. I'll take the first name. You take the last name. No, you're taking the last no, name because I always get them wrong. I've always delineated the way the duties are being distributed. So <laughs> here we are. Uh Anyway, uh, Pop Tabata, 20-minute level of featuring Muse, David Guetta, Dua Lipa, Ben Kim, and more. And then EDM Volume 3. It's a climb, Volume 3. And it's going to feature Lizzo. Yes! Uh, (laughs) And that's all I'm going to say. Also, there is a lane break challenge for people. Yeah. First lane break challenge, y'all. This one goes from 1127 to 12.3. You have to get 300,000 plus points. So get to lane breaking. I'm super excited about this. Peloton birthdays. And finally, in birthdays, uh, Tune Day is celebrating a birthday on December 5th. Happy birthday, Tune Day. I hope you get to have some ice cream. And this week's interview will be up right after this. Checking in with the Peloton community. Joining us today via the magic of ZoomTube is Paul Swift. Hey, Paul, how's it going? Oh, man, I'm doing all right, man. It's a pleasure. It's a privilege. It's an honor to be with the Clip Out gang. Thank you. (laughs) Well, we are excited you are here. So for the listeners at home, Paul is joining us in kind of a different capacity than what we usually do. Paul is going to talk to us all about fittings and cycling and how he got into it. And also, we'll talk about this later on in the interview, but we're going to talk about the fact that Paul helped me with my fitting and helped me get comfortable on my bike in a way I didn't even think was possible. I really didn't have any major issues with my fitting. Or so you thought. Exactly. But it changed everything. So (laughs) thank you so much for being here, Paul. I guess really we should kind of start with like, how did you get into being able to fit people and cycling in general? How did that come to be? 
Well, thank you for asking. If I may, just first, I want to say my heart goes out to Mr. Mills, his family, his daughter, and everyone. And December 19, 2020, a truck ran a red light and almost killed me. Mm. And I Mm. suffer from a traumatic brain injury. So I just feel for him. And I wish them the best. And I had to say that because uh, it just makes me a little emotional. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for allowing me to do that. I love seeing him on the show and watching his show. I'm just a dude who grew up in the Midwest, and there happened to be a bicycle track in Kenosha, Wisconsin, where I grew up. And it was a place where you told your parents you'd go hang out as kids. I went down there one time. It was usually like grade school. Stop at the convenience store, see if somebody buys a six-pack. <laughs> Watch the races, try to pick up chicks. Well, I never did. So I was like, I could do that. Borrowed a bike, started doing bike racing in the Kenosha. We stocked bike program. Kenosha has one of the oldest operating velodromes in the United States. St. Louis, by the way, also has one. Pretty bad shape, but it's still (laughs) I didn't know we had one. uh, I didn't either, but that sounds like St. Louis. (laughs) There used to be probably thousands around the country at one time at the turn of the century. So 1890, 1900, Madison Square Garden was originally built for bike racing, actually. The original one before it burned down. Yeah, it's a big deal. It has six-day bike racing. In Europe, it's called the American because we invented it. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize how new bikes are in the grand scheme of things, right? Like a bike is such almost an obvious invention that it's hard to believe that they haven't been around forever for like 500 years. I think you actually lead into the bike fitting thing pretty well there, Tom. So thank you. Because the reality (laughs) is it's only 2,550 years old. Yeah. We as people were really not made whether God created us or we evolved, whatever the deal is, we were not made to ride a bicycle. But I think we can do a pretty good job, as Crystal will testify. <laughs> I got invited to a uh, training camp at the Olympic Training Center in high school when I was 15. Next thing I know, they invited me to live and train there. So I left home at 16. Whoa. Whoa. Dream. And I got to travel the world racing bicycles and representing the U.S. and things. But one of the challenges I had along the way is I have one leg shorter than the other one. And racing at that level, that was very critical. And back yeah. in the late 80s, well, I started in the early 80s, um, we didn't know how to address it. We didn't know what to do with it. So I always had to tinker with my equipment. I had to modify things. thought I might have one here to show you. I had to make pedals. I had to make different, like today, I still have a little bit of a lift underneath my cleat. But I had to modify the equipment. And that, I guess, got me to really dive into it. And that just kept evolving to one day I'm, I'm at a bike race sitting next to a guy named Dory Skellinger who's in the Paralympics. And he's like, what do you do with all your other pedals that like you're modifying? You probably throw the parts away. And I went like, keep them in a box. He goes, going to have them? And I was like, <laughs> wow. Like, I mean, I was a poor bike racer. For me to give something and to do something for somebody, it was just such an <laughs> honor, you know? And that just kept going on. Much to my mother's chagrin, we figured out why when she would shorten my pants as a kid, why one was always different than the other one. Yeah. Or when I was in summer marching band and how it didn't hit the laces on one, but it did on the other. Because I found I had a shorter leg. And uh, challenges of dealing with that as an elite athlete and all of the lifting and the squats and the training and how to address that was, I believe, probably the biggest thing that led me to bike fitting. Wow. Fascinating. Yeah, it is. It takes messed up people to be a bike fitter, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I, I think there's probably a lot of things that are like that, that people... You, you had know, to figure things to, out. Yeah, they got to figure things out well, for whatever yeah. quirk of their own physicality or existence. And then they realize, oh, wait, this is applicable to other things. Yeah, I mean, there was nowhere to go to learn it. Fast forward, I came up with some products and patented a bunch of things. And I made a pedal that moved in and out. It tilted. 
which you know what that tilt is, it rotated yeah. and it would raise and lower. And that's not 4F. But next thing I knew, I was teaching bike fitting all around the world. I was literally living in a garage on a couch, no hot water, no heater, in LA doing bike fits on the sidewalk across the street from the LA Equestrian Center, down the street from the studios and all this money. That right there, though, shows you the brilliance of your adaptions that you could get a horse to ride a bike. <laughs> Well, well, it's interesting because I went across the street and watched the dudes like the furriers. And I was like, because I didn't know where to go. I tried to go everywhere to learn what to do with bike fitting. I watched those guys. Like, what did they do? And it was mostly just to get the hoof in the ground to meet flat. Well, that's not a big difference from what we did. But, I mean, you take what your environment gives you. Yeah. And I just happened to be there in Glendale, California. Yeah, but what made you think, oh, if I watch this, it's going to apply to bike fitting? I wouldn't have even made that connection. It started with the wedge. And actually, it was a friend of mine's idea originally, because he's like, hey, do you ever notice how pedals wear crooked? I'm like, yeah, because I work on pedals all the time. They all wear it an uneven thing. And so there's a wedge inside of a, there's a shoe and you have that and Uh there's the cleat and you can see there's a wedge in there. Well, I didn't really know what or why the pedals were wearing crooked. Long story short, then I ended up developing a tool that is sold to the medical world and everything around to measure this four-foot varus and valgus, which is the tilt of your foot. And that's yours of like banging your head against the wall. But I just thought at the time I would do these wedges and bike fitters would use them. And then people would say, oh, I have foot pain or knee pain. Will that help? And I'm like, well, yeah. And then I looked at them like, ooh, you look really bad. <laughs> like, you need way, you need way more than a wedge. And that's when I realized bike fitting in general was pretty inadequate. It really wasn't serving. And so I buried myself in that garage and developed an entire system called the Bicycle Fitting System, which was nominated by Bicycling Magazine as one of the most innovative products in the bicycle industry. And wow. I've taught bike fitting and I've sold stuff all around the world. I was just literally looking at my Instagram yesterday and there in Europe in Belgium was my product and some guys teaching it. I couldn't have imagined it back then. That's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Can you do anything like that for fitting me for my couch (laughs) so I can watch TV more efficiently? (laughs) That's interesting because I got into fitness then and when I was doing a study at Auburn University and I do things like I'm pretty crazy. I will do things like take the I can do the Peloton bike, but I started with the Revmaster, which is a bike I designed and I would put it in front of the person sitting on the couch. And I'd pick up their feet and stick it in the pedals and go, look, start pedaling now. There's no excuses. You're watching TV. You're going to get five <laughs> minutes of pedaling in. So I work with anyone and everyone. I had like an occupational therapist. She was a world master's cyclist. And she came in and helped me a lot with the upper body and hand connections. So anywhere you touch a bike is where I spend a lot of time. But yeah, I sought out people from all different places because here I am. I have this course and they're like, there's medical people want to teach. And they're like, well, where's the credentials? And like, I'm just a dude. <laughs> right. This crap. I and just so it's pretty myself. hard sometimes to get it accredited. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, sure. And that's always the problem, right? When you're on the forefront of something that yeah. it's like there isn't an accreditation for something that you're kind of coming up with you're, on the fly. You're building the plane. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've developed several products and second and third is a lot easier. You know? <laughs> yeah. And people say, well, what do you mean? I say, well, let's look at basketball. Dr. J created a highway. Michael Jordan created a super highway. Right. So developing the wedges and like 20 years later, lots of people are copying it and stuff like that. And the patents are up. But like it's come a long way where I designed the Revmaster. I designed all of the modern fitness equipment. And that was much easier to come into industry later because I could see what was up with the spinning bike behind me and fix all the problems. It's not that you're negative, but like when you're competing in something, you're like picking at 
negative. So I developed a Revmaster and that got me into then the fitting and the indoor cycling side because the bikes didn't fit that great. So at what point did you stop being the athlete side of things? Like, how did that, I kind of glossed over that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I got to race all around the world, and that was pretty cool for a little dude from Kenosha, Wisconsin. Yeah. You know, I feel like I could go back to the bar and sit next, you know, on a bar stool, be like I was there yesterday. It was, I think, 98, I officially quit. Well, 96, I quit. 98, I finally stopped racing because the carryover for two years of not training wasn't working anymore, and I... Uh, I was racing for Team Shackley and I was packing for a bike race and packing for a bike race is such a pain because especially on the track, you got a track bike to pack, a road bike to pack, extra wheels. And that sweat bead went down my back <laughs> and I was like, I'm done. <laughs> I, called up, I called up Frank and I said, I don't really want to do this last race. And he goes, you know what? That's fine. Don't worry. Thanks for everything. And I was like, and so that was the day I quit at that level. You just kind of uh, fell out of love with it, basically. I knew I was there. I mean, I'm lucky as an athlete because I found bike fitting or it found me in right. so many of my friends, man, they quit and they're just, I, I was a mess and I knew what I wanted to do. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Okay, so when you created all these products, you've created so many of them. Like yeah. people have probably seen your products and don't even know it. So that's one of the pedals, right? Yeah. So chances are, if you take any spinning class or an indoor cycling class, you probably touched something I developed. So I patented the one side SPD and the other side looked pedal. I licensed this to Swin. This is how I got into the Peloton because <laughs> there was a bunch of people infringing on my patent and flywheel and soul cycle and you name it. And so that's how I sort of became known everywhere to, with these other people. This was one of my coolest ones, I think. This part right here is if we put a basket in, you just kind of go like that and it pops right out. And I licensed it for spinning. And of course, spinning files bankruptcy. Anyway. <laughs> so I'm curious when somebody, when one of these companies like Schwinn or, or SoulCycle or whatever, when they infringe on your patent, is it typically they created something that was similar accidentally or are they like we're just going to do this and we'll see if we get busted well i'm going to say in my case most of them just saw the pedal and thought the idea and they sold it because i'm a small individual dude who patented this I, you know i didn't like project and advertise the entire world i had this uh, right and so i would usually start with just a simple phone call or an email going hey you guys are infringing on my patent and most of them are actually um <laughs> Like the people who so-called said they designed the first Peloton bike were the biggest d I've ever dealt with in my life. <laughs> so just um, to be clear, you're talking about the Valencia dude, right? The Valencia group. Yeah. Yes, the Valencia group. Because they did the licensing for SoulCycle and actually Flywheel takes the cake. But like Swing Fitness, they were tough in the sense that they would always take their time. Like you'd send them an email six weeks later. Ah, uh, what? Uh, six weeks. But, like Swing Fitness was actually pretty cool and they became Nautilus or whatever. They always paid. They were always pretty nice. I really thank them for being pretty cool because they were big enough to like blow me off and tie me up in court. But maybe they realized it was cheaper just to pay my royalty. Right. Know? What kind of length of time does it take to make a patent? Well, I'm just a guy who does them in a room and yeah. then I go hire an attorney and I started in LA and I finally found an attorney that sat down and talked to me. Cause the first time I hired an attorney, I was like nervous. I'm like, what's the attorney tell me to do? It's like, wait a minute, I'm paying this guy. Yeah. <laughs> Once I got to the point where I'm paying the attorney, look, dude, you need to explain this to me. Like I'm 12 years old. 
I need to understand all these stupid words like along a parallel access, anything that ultimately changes blah, whatever. Blah, and it's blah, like, blah, blah. <laughs> and yeah, I would like lay out the patent all over my room, all over the place. And I would go one by one. I'd go back to the drawing and I would. That's my method. Now, there are people who can read patents and, and they get the words. I'd see the picture on the words. Yeah. Well, this patent took almost five years because the first attorney I had didn't do a very good job. Wow. Then I've had some take two years and it, it all depends. Yeah. Wow. So does it take a while to get approved once you filed? That's that. Yeah. You file. And then I've personally never had one that doesn't come back rejected oh. uh, for <laughs> something. Because you have like all these claims. Oh, this one is like I have one here. This is the only thing I didn't get patented in my entire life. And it is the most unique thing I've ever done. OK. But go figure. <laughs> and you could if there's speed play users out there, you can pop this into your look pedal and then you could ride speed play. So, so, so um, for those of you listening and not watching, Paul is showing us all of his. All oh, of I'm his, sorry. No, it's yeah. OK. I was just thinking that like <laughs> we're, you're showing us some cool stuff, but people may not know that you're showing us some cool stuff. So explain what that is. <laughs> I'll describe it a little bit more. Then. So I was with the pedal I was showing was something that many people probably have actually ridden. Well, everybody rides a pedal because every bike has a pedal. Right. Whether you have the Look Road or the SPD Mountain, you could clip into that pedal. And so then there's a brand out there called Speedplay. And I made an adapter that will fit into the pedal, this thing here for those watching. And you can bring your Speedplay shoes into the class. I made about 10 of those and I only got one pair back. Wow. Which was a good sign because they were like, no, I'm not giving it back. (laughs) (laughs) So that was the only patent I didn't get in my entire life. And I thought there's others I've gotten like, anyway, that I didn't necessarily expect to get. But I thought I needed to. I thought I needed to position myself that way. So... Then how did you get into working on Peloton bikes specifically? Well, that's a good question. So I first met Tom Cortese or Cortese. I think it's Cortese. That's the way I was it. Yes. And then I met a Jamie Beck. Okay. 2013. Oh, it's been some time ago. 2014, I definitely talked to them because they worked through Valencia and I let them back in to buy some Peloton, bought some of my pedals in 2014. This was back when I was, I don't do this as much, but I surf Kickstarter now and then. And they had a Kickstarter in November of 2013. And I was like, ah, I think I'll pay attention to them. So I bought a water bottle so I would get the emails. <laughs> um, and then they actually came into the Le Mans Fitness office once. And it was Tom, maybe Jamie. I think it might even been the, what's the guy that's John Foley? John Foley? John Foley? John, yeah. And I mean, I met all those guys early on. They used to show up at a trade show with one bike, <laughs> you know. And they're like thinking, there's no way this is going to make it. And they kept showing up. So they're in L.A. looking at a warehouse, and my friend calls Chuck, and he goes, Polly, these Peloton guys, should I rent to them? Like, I don't know who they are. I don't know if they have any money or not. And my buddy has warehouses, like 70, 80 warehouses in L.A., and Peloton outgrew his largest warehouse, which was $80,000 a month. Whoa. So, I mean, Peloton, we all know, really grew and really blew up. I mean, can you imagine how big that warehouse was? And they all grew it. Wow. So I had a lot of little weird connections. Like when I first saw it, I was like, oh, look, they copied my belt with the tensioner. And then I looked at like, why did they do the seat thing like this? This looks exactly like Cyclopsaris. You guys don't even know what that is. That was a bike before the Peloton. looks exactly like their seat slider. I went to try and get one, but it's cold in the garage today. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm in Spokane, Washington. So that was one of the things. And then I looked at like, man, those handlebars need to adjust. And why the hell is that monitor on the bars? Like that's the last place in the world I would have put it. Which, by the way, I'm going to predict right now. 
the future one day, that monitor and handlebars will be separated for whatever it's worth. <laughs> prediction, I do it, prediction, okay. got else it. Does yes. it. I don't know. So I, uh, being an equipment guy, not as much a software guy, picked at it. Then I came up with, uh, this doesn't mean anything, but I'm holding up this little clamp that I made for the Revmaster because the Revmaster handlebars were similar to the Pelotons in a way. And they were like these things, but they would slide when I designed these. And then so I made, if you're watching, I made this little clamp so you could put any set of handlebars, one on the Revmaster, and I put their computer on it. And I did this, oh gosh, started in 2012 <laughs> or something like that. And then I, when I saw the Peloton, I'm like, if that bike makes it, I'm going to make a product to make it better. So <laughs> here it is today, the Bar Zoomer. That's to bring the bars closer for a lot of people like yourself, Crystal. Yes. And this is where I really started getting into Peloton is like, a lot of people don't fit the bike very well because it doesn't fit smaller people all that well. Yeah. And so therefore, I ended up gravitating towards the Peloton Shorty Tribe. Combine all those things with my car accident, selling a business, this and that, and recovery. I dedicated, I'm a big Gary V fan. I dedicated, I said, my first year of recovery, all I'm going to do is hang out on the forums and give away everything I can for free. I actually spent a year and a half. I just gave everything I had for free away as part of my rehab for my brain. And that's so that's cool. why in some of the forums, people know who I am. They don't know my background yet. So this would be like the coming out. <laughs> <laughs> and I went incognito. And then, of course, I send Crystal an email. She doesn't reply. <laughs> and finally, I hit her up on LinkedIn. She doesn't reply. <laughs> send her another email. She doesn't reply. And then finally, she replies like, well, it's kind of like, what do you want? How long is this going to take? <laughs> then, you know, finally. I, if it makes so you feel well, any better, she does the same stuff to me. Okay, like in yeah. my defense, in my defense, you were offering to give me a fitting and I didn't feel like I needed one. I was like, why do I need a fitting? I already right. ride my bike. I'm fine. Yeah. What, what are we going to do? And then after I said, well, I can take 10 minutes, but most people I talk to, we spend like an hour on the phone because I can talk. <laughs> and we spent about an hour on the phone and it came out that there's somebody else in the forums my same name. Yes. Yes. And so I was confused because I thought you were one in the same. And I was very confused by how you sounded very different in your emails than you did online. So I was completely confused about your identity. I have somebody, I think it was the Peloton guru dude, Howard, whatever his name is, I think introduced the two Paul Swifts. Uh, and that's why I haven't met him in person, but we did a few posts of like, wow, you have the same name. And there was an actor, Paul Swift. He actually died of AIDS. There's the oh. race car driver. I've met the artist at a party. We were introduced to each other. It was pretty cool. We exchanged <laughs> products and stuff. Uh, so it's, it's not the most unique name in the world. No, it's not. It, it's interesting because you would think that it's not the most unique, but it's also not like it's so common that there's that yeah. many people. So it's kind of caught me off guard. But I will say that, and we should probably take this time to kind of transfer into like you did a fitting it ended up being like an hour and a half or so. And so I've never done a bike fitting for the Peloton. I've done a bike fitting for my road bike before. Oh, you did? I Can did. I ask where you went? It was a local cycling company. The cycl well, I understand. The, oh, I ask where you the went? cyclery. <laughs> Say it again. I'm getting there. The cyclery, okay. I think it's, uh, or maybe it's called something hub. It's the one in Webster Groves. I always okay. have to Google it. But that's where I ended up buying my road bike and they were great and they helped me with my fitting. But it's a very different experience on the Peloton, obviously, than it is a road bike because they're focused on, in my mind, different things than you were focused on. We spent a lot of time <laughs> and probably because some of those things don't change. Like I had to make sure that the seat was up high enough, which, of course, you did, too. But 
they focus like on the seat being high enough right off the bat. And we kind of eased into that because of the cleats yeah. and because of those changes, which you don't have on a road bike in the same way. Why I asked where you went is because I know most of the bike shops in this country and most of the people <laughs> like it's my industry, you know, right. so yeah, I, can yeah. name, I can name a thousand bike shops, who their fitter is, who the manager is, who this is. And that's not a shop that was really trained at the level of like if you went to Maplewood, for example. Those guys would have given you a full-on bike fitter. If you went down to CycleX or whatever down in Columbia, those guys are trained at a whole other level. They would have done all those things at the feet that we did. Gotcha. Plus everything else. Or they might have pulled out things like, see, this is a stem I made that looks similar to that you can adjust and put on the bike. And I made it so you could do it very quickly. So this goes onto the bicycle and yeah, literally got so you could push a button and make the stem longer and shorter. I'm guessing they didn't pull that out either. Mm-mm. Yeah. So... You got a, sort of a fitting. <laughs> well, it helps a lot. Let's put it that you way. You got a fit, not a swift fit. Well, no, well, <laughs> not a swift, well, Tom, I love you, Tom. Um, it, it's kind of like this. I look at it this way. If you are thirsty and I give you a half a glass of water, do you feel better? Yeah. Right. But <laughs> my service, I try to give you the full glass. <laughs> yeah. And we did talk about that, too. So my understanding is that there's a lot of bike fitters that do virtual fittings for the Peloton now. But one of the things that you do that might not all of the fitters do is focus on the cleats, focus on the foot. Yeah. If you think about it, there are four adjustments on one cleat. Okay. Most of us have two legs and two feet. A lot of fit, you know, some people would want right, many. Right. So if you take both of those, that's eight adjustments. Okay. And that's if you don't have a leg length, that's eight adjustments. And the seat goes up and down four aft. That's two. You can play with the tilt and angle or slide it forward like we did. So it's potentially three. And the handlebars only go up and down, so that's four. So there are twice as many adjustments at the foot as there are the rest of the bike. It's the only place that we're clipped in. We don't have a choice. So in other words, if your saddle is a little low or you're ambulant, you know, you move around, you slide forward, you slide up, you change resistance, you stand up, you sit down. Hands, like the reason the bars are kind of bigger on a stationary bike is because it's supposed to fit a lot more people. But you can put your hands out, you can put your hands back. But on the pedals, that's it. You have one place. It's what you do 80 times a minute, minute after minute, 60 minute after 60 minute, like three, four times a week, month after month. And so that repetitive placement where you're sort of locked into one place is the challenge because most injuries or discomforts in cycling actually occur with overuse over time with a slight misalignment. Sorry, long-winded answer. No, no. I thought it was fascinating because now you have to remember I am completely non-mechanical. So anyone listening, I think you, <laughs> if you've listened to the show at all, Tom, you already know that. Tom, Tom did an amazing job with the tools. <laughs> I just held the camera. <laughs> no, you tightened some things. You oh, tightened I tightened a screw. But whenever I first got my Peloton bike, literally I had never seen a cleat before in my life. And there's no directions. So, you know, I just slapped the cleats on there and had never right. changed them ever again since then. And I got a new pair of shoes whenever the black set yeah. came out, yeah. just slapped them on there. Right. I thought about zero about it. Yeah. Other than and that. You're not alone, though. I think that Peloton did so many wonderful things. I mean, think about it. You had never looked at this before. How many people have a pair of cycling shoes now that never had a pair? Oh, yeah, and, for sure. Um, but that introduces things too. it. Introduces opportunities for me. So as much as it's done a wonderful thing. Where do you put that cleat? That's a good question. I mean, I took years to develop what I did. And then there's videos all over the net that are just 
not so good, you know, and uh, <laughs> uh, and I'm going to hold back. But yeah, um, yeah, that's good. That's good. So it's challenging. <laughs> it is very challenging. So I love working with somebody who's never done this before. I love that beginner. I mean, I've worked with Tour de France riders, I've worked with whatever. I just prefer my heart goes out to somebody who just gets on a bike and loves it. Yeah, that's what drives me. And you're not alone. It's tough. It's challenging. And a lot of fitters, they don't cover it. And that's why we did you in one session, your fit rather. I'm probably the only guy that does two sessions because we'll do one, let you ride for a while. And we got one tiny tweak to do with you yet. Yeah. And then come back because you can't do it in one. You just can't. Not in my view and do it. Get that full glass of water. Well, and I think that you explained it to me. The reason that you typically do two sessions is because you want the person to be able to ride for a while after you've made some adjustments and then go in and kind of do more micro adjustments where there's like small changes. And you did some of that while I was riding. And I feel like it was surprising how much lighter my feet felt after we did those changes. Like I was just really, really surprised by that. I honestly thought, like I told you, it was just like, I just ride a bike. What are we going to do? It's just you get on the bike and you ride. And it was a huge difference. Well, that's what I strive for that. And I'm flattered and I'm so glad to hear it. And I like to use the words lighter, which are slightly different than some of the words I hear, but they're right. And but I think that kind of leads into what is a bike fitter? What should it feel like? You just want to ride your bike. Right. And so people ask me to describe what should a bike should feel like? Well, I have a different definition than some because I say it's whatever you want it to be. And they're like, well, what do you mean? I go, well, if you're taking a Peloton class, all you want to think about is the Peloton class mm-hmm. or maybe your high fives. And I know it's hard to reach the screen and we'll get to that too. But anyway, <laughs> you don't want to think about, oh, my knee or oh, my foot or oh, my this. Or if you're riding a bicycle to the coffee shop with your friend. I mean, it's supposed to be about the bike ride. Yeah. But when you have a discomfort, it takes away. So whether you're racing at the world-class level, you're thinking about this thing and some guys want to kick your ass, or you just want to have fun and enjoy, my goal is to take that all away so you just get to be you. I want you to be you. So that's how I approach bike fitting. Well, I felt like it was surprising to me not only how much lighter my feet felt, but also I have always had a pain in my left knee. I don't really feel it so much when I'm cycling. I feel it after. I have cycled, Mm -hmm. but that knee pain has been there for years. So I didn't even attribute it to having anything to do with the bike. But when you changed how my foot attached to the pedal and where those cleats were and the alignment of my knee changed, it doesn't hurt my knee anymore. That's just crazy to me because I didn't think that that was even fixable. I'm actually glad you brought that up because that is in part of my two fit, two session thing is because. We've just been doing it forever. We just clip in and go. Mm-hmm. And then we'd have to clip out. So, uh, <laughs> but what becomes normal isn't necessarily good, but it's like, oh, it's just the way it is. Or people will, gosh, the form's like, oh, you'll get used to the saddle. That's a bunch of b-. I mean, I have a little device right there. Like I'm working with a couple in, I forget where in Michigan, and I'm sending them to a bike shop where they have this little device right over here that to change the saddle quickly to try saddles. It's like, no, it's not supposed to hurt. It's not supposed to be. Yeah, you got to get used to the idea that if you have it worked out, 15 minutes is a lot. Okay, that's you. The bike fit's supposed to be taken care of. It's not supposed to hurt, and it's not supposed to. And so a lot of times we're waking you up or introducing things, and therefore it's like, oh, I'm riding in a new position. Oh, I have a new awareness. Well, now in a couple weeks, it's, it's my job also to try and help you to be able to articulate what you're feeling because we just go. It's always been that way. You know, we all type on a QWERTY keyboard, you know, stupid, slow, but we all do it. You know, you guys know the history of the QWERTY keyboard, right? Yeah. It's deliberately slow because on the old mechanical typewriters, if they had arranged the letters in a different way, 
if you would type too fast and the little arms would get right. all tangled up. And right. so, so they, here it is. they deliberately structured a yeah. keyboard that would slow you down. 2022, we still do it. Cycling's yeah. full of a lot of those traditions. Yeah. Oh, you do it this way. Oh, you do it that way. And I'm guilty of them because I'm an old time cyclist <laughs> and I had to learn those and be open. It was an awesome. I just, I love seeing new people. Oh my gosh, that's how, yes. So if that's still happening to somebody, I haven't done my job, I haven't reached everybody. I want everyone to just feel that. Everyone. I have to say with the seat, I still think that there is a time period that you need to have your tush toughened up. Like the first few rides. That's always going to happen. I don't care what seat you have. And I think that people mistake those two things. Like it should not still be happening weeks later, to be clear. Yeah, I'm glad you clarified that. And I kind of touched on it, but maybe I should elaborate a little bit more. For example, my weight goes up and down, okay? Mm-hmm. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> um, but when I'm heavier, my butt hurts a little bit more, okay? Sure. But it's not like one spot. It's like, man, I'm heavier. Which, by the way, the secret to that is just put more resistance on so you're lighter. But when I'm lighter, I feel better on the saddle. I really do. So, yes, it's kind of like you have to get in shape to get in shape. Because if you've never worked out, which is so many Peloton people, the wonderful thing they did is they, they're in homes and people are, oh, my God, 15 minutes is killing me. Well, yeah, it is. And you're going to have to work your way up. So there is, you have to differentiate and sometimes it's not easy. So it's a great point you brought up. Yeah. So now, would you say that you use all the different devices with that you've created with all the different fittings that you do? Or are there some that you only have to use with some people? Or how does that work? There are some what I would call the basics and what I teach in the, my 101 class. First of all, I treat everyone the same. Doesn't matter whether you're racing in the Tour de France or you're brand new. And I'm a big rudiments guy. You know, I played the drums, so I was a big rudiments guy. Like you do scales, I guess you would say, if you were another instrument. Or when I raced a bicycle, it was like I was solid on the basics. So the basics are really what I, they're in pretty much every fit. Does everyone get a wedge? No. For example, I was working with this couple yesterday and the guy has an unusual foot and he doesn't get one. As a matter of fact, he bought a shoe that has it built in. I'm like, kind of had to recommend. I said, look, there's no way around this. I worked with a gal yesterday, Tanya. She's a big fan of yours in Quarter Lane. (laughs) And her feet are just like, she's an anomaly though. She's like way off the charts. We had to put in insoles, heel things. So we did way more than most people. And I'm now discovering with you when I was looking at the notes, like your foot's a little bit out there too. Yeah. You Um, you send pictures of my feet. They're all funky. (laughs) And so the, the, the thing about the multiple, like some people, it's like 30 minutes done, 30 minutes done. For years, again, we combined it, like, now I got to think about it. And so I like to have the opportunity to digest that, work with it. And we're going to do a couple of small tweaks. That's just the way it is. So it's across the board. But yeah, the basics are all the same. Develop that app where I show you the angles. That's used in every fit. What about your Peloton leaderboard name? What's that? So people can uh, well, follow you. Well, it's uh, Cycle Point. Ah, <laughs> makes sense. Makes sense. My products are under Pedal Jam, but somebody else had that name. <laughs> um, so it's Cycle Point. Thanks. Yeah. And so we always ask people this, but it probably really, you. I would think you'd have a really good take on this, no pressure, but what is your advice for people just getting their bike? Getting their bike. Like just now getting a bike, brand new users. Oh, okay. I actually have put together some literature. It's free. Like where to get the seat going, where to get the handlebars going to start. Oh, okay. Or where do you, are you asking where to get a bicycle? No, no, no. No, no. Like if someone where just got a, a bike, what advice would you give them yeah. so they have the best experience? Yeah. So I have a free starter thing that's illustrated step by step because before we get to the fit, you actually have to kind of get like the seat has to be somewhat close. The handlebars have to be somewhat close. And I'll just tell everybody to put their cleats all the way back. 
And so I have that it's on some forms. I need to have that available on my website, <laughs> thecyclepoint.com. As a free download, I'll email it to anybody. But I've done that because you're right. We need to know where to start. You know, when I look at some people, like, oh, how'd you get here? You know, like, well, I just got on and went. And it'd be nice if you could do that. But it's probably the most adjustable piece of equipment we have. Even like a piece of gym equipment, maybe you raise and lower the little leg thing, you know. Yeah. yeah. They can still do it. But the bikes got a lot of adjustments. I will say, like, when we were going through that whole process and then Crystal yeah. raving about how different it felt when it was over, I was really surprised because I felt like, in the grand scheme of things, we hadn't done that much. And so yeah. I was kind of like, this seems like a lot of <laughs> to go through and <laughs> like I, I don't feel like we Tom. did all that much but then with how she reacted when she started using well, her bike afterwards and you know me i can't make up stuff like that no, like if, if, <laughs> if she thought it was a whole lot of nothing she'd have told me it was a whole lot of nothing and then she'd come up with a really polite way to blow you off <laughs> Well, she doesn't answer my email, so I thought maybe that was it. Yeah. <laughs> but you are right, because this to here, that's only about four or five millimeters. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't seem like much, but that's actually huge in the effects of what it does to the cyclist. Or if you move the cleat in and out, it only goes medial lateral, about three, four millimeters. Yeah. When you had her put in the wedges, and I'm just like... What is this really it's doing? Not, it's not that thick, but yeah. it makes a huge difference. Yeah, people hear wedge and they think thick, but it was like three pieces of paper stacked on top of each other. Yeah, yeah. there it is. Yeah. That's the thickness right there. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not very I, thick. I tell people I do hocus pocus voodoo witchcraft. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of people, they need to put these spacers on. If somebody pedals, and you've seen it with their knees way out. Yeah. There's not enough room even on the cleat, so you need to put this spacer on. Oh. And you got to widen the pedal even more. So you're not a candidate for that. Your knees were kind of inward and more in a line, but a lot of people need that. I mean, I probably do that a couple times a week to somebody who's, that's male, female, their knee is out, sometimes one leg, and they have to get that pedal even further out. But yeah, in the grand scheme of things, like, oh, there's this whole body. I move this one thing five millimeters. Yeah. And you would not think that it makes that much of a difference. You right. wouldn't. But remember, you're clipped in. Yeah. 80 times a minute. There's probably nothing we do that fast in our lives. Yeah. Minute well, after minute. I don't like to brag. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Well, then you're in way better shape than I am, but minute after minute. Three, four times a week. <laughs> well, not anymore. 12, 14, 15 times a month. Month after month. And this adds up. So that's where the millimeters and stuff. See, on outdoor cycling, you can have a, what I call acute injuries. Usually it's you crash. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, that's but okay. most injuries take a little time. And, right. and I like to try to stay ahead of the curve too as we're aging. I hate to say it. Like when I hit 40, a lot of my friends that rode bicycles like, wow, this hurts now. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I can't drink a 12 pack of beer anymore either. You know, <laughs> uh, the sponge doesn't absorb anymore like it used to. Yeah. The cells don't hold, bring the water back in like it used to. And so I like to do this to prehab so you can avoid rehab. I like that. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you so much for taking time out of your day to join yeah. us. Before we let you go, remind everybody where they can find you and find all this information and get something for themselves if they are well, so inclined. Well, thank you. If it, you know, handlebars are hard to reach. We have the bar zoomer. Okay. It's not even on the website yet. I've only sold it through the forums. But thecyclepoint.com. My Twitter and Facebook is Ask the Fitter. And some of the forums see me all over the place. Ask the Fitter, Paul Swift. I will try and help anybody I possibly can. I've dedicated my life to this. My car accident has kind of helped me do that, that I get to live in a basement and do this all day and talk to cool people like you guys. <laughs> well, Paul, we really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, it's my pleasure.
So I guess that brings this episode to a close. Until next week, where can people find you? You can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Crystal D. O'Keefe. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Clip Out Crystal. And of course, the leaderboard at Clip Out Crystal. And you can find me on Twitter at Roger Kubert or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe. You can find the show online, facebook.com slash the Clip Out. While you're there, like the page, join the group. And of course, don't forget our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash the Clip Out. So, That's it for this one. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, keep pedaling. And running. And running.